Are you ready for the latest Habs news, passionate debate, and in-depth analysis from hockey experts around the league? It's the most informative and interactive podcast about the Montreal Canadiens. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast, featured on allhabs.net, with your hosts, Joe Whalen and Rick Stevens. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Canadians Connection Podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio keeping you informed, engaged, and entertained. My name is Joseph Whalen, and I'm going to be your host for the next hour. And uh, I'm pleased to be joined in studio by the Brock Trotter to my Mikhail Grabowski again, <laughs> Mr. Rick Stevens. How's it going, Rick? The, the guy with more than one number, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we're getting into kind of... Uh, you know the unknowns territory as as yeah. we move up through the the uh, Canadians numbers. Uh, Brock Trotter though was 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 a pretty uh, uh, the early uh, like 2010 thereabouts for yeah. for Hamilton. Yeah, yep. yeah, I like Brock Trotter. Like to get a Brock Trotter mention in there whenever we can, and it doesn't oh, sure. seem like that opportunity is going to come up very often. So no, no, no. the jersey number will tie that thing in with the episode number, but. Uh, pleased to be joining, uh, pleased to be back here with you talking about the Montreal Canadiens for another week. And uh, I understand that you still have uh, a little bit of that uh, that cough, a little bit of, uh, I understand, many people uh, across the country and all over the world feeling the same way, I would imagine, as we head down towards December. Um, but I, I would even hazard to guess that you might be feeling a little bit better than the Montreal Canadiens are coming out of this week. <laughs> Because after the highest of highs that we experienced last week, beating the Washington Capitals, the mighty Washington Capitals, uh, the Canadians on the road in Washington to play them, beat them. And now we sit here in a winless week when your schedule has been fairly light, fairly nice to you. You have games against New Jersey, Columbus, and Ottawa, and you don't get a win out of those. Um, We've talked a bit about the roller coaster that this season might be. I don't know if we're going to get a better uh, example of the type of roller coaster this season is going to be than the last two weeks because we've been we've had a three and zero week and now we've got an zero and three week or an zero one and two week if you want to be particular about it. <laughs> what what is it to make of this Montreal Canadiens team after what we've just seen uh, right here in the middle of November? Well, it's um, it's exactly that that um, we we expected, and and you know they coined the 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 um, kind of expectation for the season uh, right at the start that it would be some kind of a roller coaster, uh, and um, they the team hasn't disappointed us, um, <laughs> as you said. Um, three consecutive wins and and the big one was um you know certainly against uh uh the Washington Capitals and and uh there was all kinds of elevated expectations um after that performance and and uh, uh the uh, fans were talking about the wins against uh teams like Washington teams like St. Louis uh, and said, you know, on any night you can beat any team. And with yeah. the that we t- we talked about that that November was 
the opportunity was the big opportunity because it was a home heavy uh, schedule. And also uh, the Canadians were facing an abundance of uh, teams who were out of the playoffs. So it was an opportunity to stockpile those points uh, and put themselves in a, in a great position. And then they, they reel off um, three straight losses uh, two teams that are, uh, you know, um, near the bottom of the standings. And uh, so, yes, indeed, that roller coaster uh, continues. So, so let's look at this game by game. So last week against the New Jersey Devils, uh, Saturday night, the Montreal Canadiens playing against a team that they, they probably should be able to beat. And maybe they, they might have beaten them if they had better discipline at important times of that game uh, they lose that one four to three in overtime we're going to get into maybe one of the biggest uh, offenders in that and, and granted I understand that there are people that were saying that the officiating was was biased against Montreal I don't think it was biased I just think it was bad it just bad. was not a very well officiated <laughs> game Montreal maybe you feel like you got a little bit shafted there but I, I don't think that it was just against the Montreal Canadiens. I'm sure the Devils had a couple of, <laughs> there was the Victor Meta interference that got let go. There was, there was reason for them to be a little bit upset about the whistle as well, but they got out of there with the two points. They don't care. Uh, you then go on the road and face the Columbus Blue Jackets again after, you know, last week the Montreal Canadiens squeaked out the win against Columbus. Now this time around you head out and uh, they managed to score four unanswered goals and uh, they, they get that 5-2 win on home ice. Then you return back to Montreal, second night of a back-to-back against the Ottawa Senators. And the Montreal Canadiens, they get through regulation, and they go into overtime against the Ottawa Senators, the pesky Sens, who are also on the second night of a back-to-back. And Brady Kachuk goes and scores the game-winning goal off of some, you know, uh, not great three-on-three play from the Montreal Canadiens. It did not look very good. They looked like they weren't communicating very effectively. I think you had Jeff Petrie step up at the line on, on Chris Tierney, I believe it was, and then he centered the pass to uh, to Brady Kachuk, who did the rest. Um, yeah, so that, it, it wasn't a, that's a great a, week. That's a tough situation. That, um, yeah. I mean, three-on-three is is uh, the, the whole uh, philosophy there is puck possession. We, we know that. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, you're not thinking of, well, you can't. You, you're not thinking of uh, who am I going to back up if they make a mistake. You have to just be focused on possession and then taking yeah. advantage of your chances. So when Petrie made the mistake that he did and, and putting himself out of position against the boards, the the forwards were both left high and dry. And what was odd in that is the way they looked at each other. Yeah. And, and that, that, that momentary kind of pause uh, and, and Kachuk already had uh, his positioning on the ice. He already had a couple of steps. There was no way either one was going uh, Tatar and Suzuki were going to catch um, uh, Brady Kachuk, but um, then afterwards, and it was Tatar who chased uh, Kachuk all the way down the ice and then kind of turned at his goal line and just gave the, the most evil stare to Suzuki, yeah. um, which I felt was kind of odd. Um, and then, uh, you know, the, 
the way the, the a press conference works is, is that the coach goes back to the room and he kind of uh, discusses what happened. And the media guy comes in and says, here's your talking points and all that. And then, then the coach comes out to the podium. And even with all that time to cool off and everything, I thought that, that Julian threw a jab at maybe, maybe Suzuki, maybe Tataro. And he, he said, um, laziness on the part of our forwards cost us a point in overtime tonight. And I thought, gee, is that, that was a bit harsh, I thought. Um, yeah. I don't know if it was laziness. I, I know it was confusion. But yeah. um, all around, the, the team, like I say, uh, Tatar with his look, Julian with his words, there, were, there seemed to be uh, frustration after that game and perhaps a buildup of, of the other games that you've described where the team was frustrated in not picking up two points every night against teams that uh, they were expected to. So having said all that, and the key part of what you just said, picking up key points against teams that you're expected to, we do have the question of the week for uh, this, uh, for this episode that we threw out on Twitter and Facebook Um, at the quarter mark of the season, are the Canadians a playoff team or not? And you can respond to those on social media, Twitter, Facebook. You can call into the show 213-943-3754 or you can text us at our text line, 5853-ROCKET. You know, that's the key question in all of this, I would think. And what do you think about where this Montreal Canadiens team sits right now? Because personally, when I went after that game against the Washington Capitals, I felt that the Canadians were due for a letdown, and we were going to experience the letdown, and we did. We did experience the letdown against three teams the Canadians should beat in a part of their schedule that is going to – that when you look at December, like we just did before we went on the air, December, the Montreal Canadiens go on the road, December 17th. They're not back at home until January 2nd. December is going to be miserable for the Montreal Canadiens. <laughs> they needed to capitalize on this and they haven't. So do you think this team's a playoff team realistically? And, and rem- once we're in December, people will start complaining how unfair this, the yeah. the the scheduling gods are but but just we'll remind everyone of of november and and, and over not not only november but overall uh yep. the, as we said right from the start of the season the canadians have the uh, uh second or third softest schedule um in the nhl so they they've they've been granted a lot of favors um uh in their schedule as you said december is not one of them but as far as, as playoffs, I mean, so we had uh, last week we were talking about the winning streak. This week we're talking about three consecutive losses. The, as we've m- mentioned already, the, the roller coaster season continues. Um, Canadians have played 22 games. So that's just past the uh, quarter point of the season. Um, and in a couple of days on Thursday, it'll be American Thanksgiving. And that, uh, is kind of the the traditional milestone for predicting uh, playoff playoffs for uh, playoff teams. Um, so I would suggest that all of our listeners right now they reach in their pocket and get a loony and and flip it, and <laughs> um, because at this point right now and and uh, I looked at the athletic has has um, uh, ongoing predictions playoff predictions for all the NHL teams. They, they have a, a model that uses um, 
uh, it's, their model is based on 50,000 simulations uh, for the remainder of the season. So, and that includes uh, things like we've been talking about. The strength of the schedule includes uh, current injuries. It includes, you know, who they play the rest of the season, all of those kinds of things. And right now, um, the athletic um, projection model says that the Canadians have a 49% chance of making the playoffs, which yeah. is exact, almost exactly the, the uh, you know, what you get when you flip a coin. Um, it's, it's one or the other. They're, they have <laughs> um, a 49% chance of making the playoffs. They have a 51% chance of not making the playoffs right now. Uh, the athletic is is projecting that the Canadians will finish with between 93 and 94 points. Uh, and as we know, last season uh, from last season, uh, 93 or 94 points is not good enough for the playoffs. In fact, 96 points wasn't good enough yeah. last year. Um, and if you if you dig a little bit further uh, in their their projections. Um, there's almost an equal chance of the Canadians finishing fourth or fifth in the Atlantic, in the Atlantic division. And of course that's going to be the, the difference between a, a, a playoff position or not, um, whether they're, they're a, a wild card team or not. And, um, I think, uh, if we go back to the, the tape from one of our shows at the opening, um, as the season opened, I think I, I was in around 92 points and that they would yeah. be kind of that team, um, on the bubble. And, uh, and it, it seems that's, as I said, the, the athletics saying 93 points. And, and so it seems that all things being equal and, and yes, lots of things can change between now and then. Uh, more injuries can be, and we're going to talk about injuries, yeah. but more injuries can be experienced. Other teams can experience injuries uh, that we, you know, it doesn't take into account acquisitions. Uh, there's going to be trades. There's going to be uh, trade deadline ads. So um, lots of things can change, but at this point, uh, flip a coin and you'll have a pretty good idea if the Canadians are a playoff team or not. Yeah, and I mean, that was basically, I think we were in the same boat when we were talking about what this team was going to be this year. I thought that a regression, a regression was, was bound to happen after last year, and especially when you look at what the Florida Panthers did to retool the team that they have. I mean, they've they've been playing some really good hockey, and, and that's going to make the Atlantic all the more tougher for the Canadians to get to get one of those top three spots. And, you know, the way that some of those teams out in the – with the, the Metropolitan Division, especially the Islanders, who still just find ways to win games, like it, it's going to be tough for the Canadians. So it'll be interesting to see. You said 50% chance, basically. I, I would say that's probably mm-hmm. about right. And something that can affect, as you mentioned, with injuries, that's something that can drastically alter the perception of what teams are. And the Montreal Canadiens experienced their first little bit of, of turbulence with, 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 with respect to injuries uh, in this season. And it was Jonathan Drouin, who's got a wrist injury. He had surgery, expected to be out about eight weeks. And six to eight might be the timetable, but I think most would probably say it'd be closer to eight. And then you have Paul Byron with knee, Paul Byron with knee surgery, and he's expected to be out uh, four to six. And that is at the time when they announced those injuries, I thought that it would test the depth of the Montreal Canadiens 
but I didn't think that they would be insurmountable injuries that were going to derail the Montreal Canadiens. But the early returns on that are not great. Granted, there are some that are going to say that Jonathan Drouin's injury specifically has altered the, the way the Montreal Canadiens has, has drastically changed their, their style of play. And he is the cog that is the most important for their offense. Um, I'm not going to go as far to say that, but these injuries, which you're going to experience, it, it happens to every team. Ask the Colorado Avalanche how they're feeling about injuries. These are things that teams can sort of find out about themselves once you have things like this happen. But the Montreal Canadiens, I, I can't imagine that they're very pleased with what they found out to this point. <laughs> And and listen, um, there are teams um, that have uh, experienced injuries to better players, and and you, yeah. you you think of the Leafs, you think of the Penguins. Uh, injuries are part of the game, um, and um, with with Duran, it was it was Alan Walsh, his agent, who who tweeted that it likely would be eight weeks. The Canadians, yeah. I thought it was interesting. They put out a little bit of a correction maybe. And they, the terminology they used was minimum of eight weeks uh, for yeah. Duran. Um, now, uh, you know, who, who knows, uh, but, but it's going to be a while. It was nice to see Jonathan Duran uh, sitting on the bench in Broussard. Uh, we should say that, that both have had their surgery um, yes. already this past week, Jonathan Duran, his wrist surgery, he was all uh, wrapped up and um, uh, sitting on the bench watching practice at Broussard. So that's that's a good sign. Um, and uh, but but um, you know, play on. You you have to you yeah. you have to uh, plan for these kinds of of events. And unfortunately, the kinds of uh, the kind of depth that uh, Mark Bergevin has built um, is towards the you know, the bottom six, uh, there's an yeah. abundance of, of depth there. Um, but is it, is it, are these fatal blows? Well, you know, I, I think that, that Paul Byron is a, a popular player. Um, people love Paul Byron. People love the rags to riches, love that he was plucked off waivers. And, um, but on a, on a successful team, on a playoff bound team, Paul Byron is, is your, is, is a, a fourth line forward, you know, maybe at times a third line. Um, yeah. But uh, Paul Byron has uh, it, it, not a good season for Paul Byron. Let's say he hasn't been a factor. So his uh, not being in the lineup shouldn't affect the Canadians uh, much of anything. And, and, and where he should have been uh, effective on the penalty kill, he was having his struggles there too, as we know the Canadians. Yeah near the bottom of the league in terms of penalty kill. Um, so that's not an issue. As far as Jonathan Drouin um, started primarily on the, the third line and had some really good success at the beginning of the season there in the month of October. Um, you know, his effort was there. Um, he seemed to be far more engaged. He was, he's piling up points. Um, but the last couple of weeks when he's been bumped up to the top six uh, and particularly when uh, Tatar was in the doghouse, 
um, and he made it up to the first line. Um, let's be honest, Jonathan Drouin was looking a lot more like Jonathan Drouin in February, March last year. He completely disappeared uh, for two weeks in November. Um, that six games uh, in November uh, that, that Drouin played, and he had one five-on-five point. Uh, one five-on-point, five-on-five point, playing top six, playing you know, the first line, the top line, getting lots of minutes. And he had one point in November. Um, that's, that's if, if, you know, that's not a crucial blow. That's not hard to replace, let's say, or it shouldn't be anyway. Yeah. anyway. And, and keep in mind as well, that game against the Washington Capitals, I don't want to say that it was, uh, it might not have been a coincidence, but you remove him from that first line, you put Tomas Tatar back in, and the Montreal Canadiens go, and they, they explode offensively in a way that they hadn't up until that point. So whether or not those are related, I, I don't I don't know. I, we don't know if Jonathan Duran stays in that game, that maybe the same thing happens, but we don't know that for sure. Maybe, maybe it does, maybe it doesn't, but the Montreal Canadiens should be able to get by. And that was my initial feeling was that they should have, they should be able to get by without Jonathan Drouin and, and Paul Byron. Um, but yet here we are. And the other question that is going to be really, really important for the Montreal Canadiens going forward, you have the back-to-back against Columbus and Ottawa. Carey Price plays both games, both halves of the back-to-back. Um, Keith Kincaid against, New Jersey last week, um, you know, I, I don't really know what to say about his performance. I, I don't think that it was really his fault. Uh, there, there was some poor discipline that we're going to talk about. He didn't look terrible. He hasn't looked as he didn't look as bad as he had in previous outings. But it still appears as though the Montreal Canadiens and Claude Julien do not trust Keith Kincaid. I mean, I guess if they want to get a win, you feel more comfortable throwing Carey Price out both times. But that's not going to be the recipe for success, for, for long-term success, I don't think. Talking workload, and, and um, you see the number of starts, you see the number of wins. Uh, Carey Price is, is near the top of the league in terms of goaltenders for, for both of those stats. Um, uh, it's not good news. I mean, uh, no. yes, he's... he's um, uh, you know, he's playing well, uh, but... Uh, no team, as we've seen uh, in the last few years, can can rely on on one goaltender. And um, the aim was to to uh, reduce his workload from last season. And as we know, that was 66 games, I believe. And the uh, the the goal was to to knock at least 10 games, 10 starts off of that this season. And uh, if you look at you know, projecting out um, at the quarter point of the season, um, Keith Kincaid's not going to get to the 25 to 30 games that uh, that that was that was hoped uh, or, yeah. or or projected, and uh, that that's going to if the Canadians and again back to our our question of the week: Will the Canadians make the playoffs? It's not just making the playoffs; it's once you get there. Yeah. Uh, do you have the troops? Do you have the fuel? Do you have the, uh, you know, and in particular, um, uh, a fresh goaltender ready to go into a, a, a very difficult uh, uh, playoff run? Um, and and you need you need quality starts out of 
Keith Kincaid in order to get there. Yeah. And so with that said, I mean, another thing that the Montreal Canadiens could do to help their chances of making the playoffs um, is make a trade. And it seems as though the Montreal Canadiens have been very mindful of managing the cap, uh, you know, with, with some sort of with paper transactions inclu- involving Charles Houdon and, and, you know, all those sorts of things. We know about the cap situation. The Montreal Canadiens have held on to an abundance of, of money and they seemingly would like to use it, I would imagine, to try to make this team better, but they've also seem content to just kind of hold on to it and sit on it. Elliot Friedman his 31 thoughts. He had, you know, a very interesting quote is Mark Bergevin choking up on his bat to try to make contact on a, on a single for, you know, a trade that would be pretty easy to pull off. Or is he swinging from the heels? Is he going to try to do something major to really change the fabric of this team? I think that that might be the interesting question going forward. And, you know, we talked about Taylor Hall last week. Is there a link there? Is there something that might be, you know, uh, that might be the highest guy that you could probably get. That might be the, the highest thing you could hope for. But, you know, is, is Mark Bergevin going to do something to, to really change this team? I mean, it, it might look like they are considering the way they've been managing the cap. A lot of circumstantial evidence. And, and it's, yeah. it's enticing to try to connect the dots here. Right. Um, well, it, it was it was last week and um, uh, I said, something's going on here with this to you. I, I sent you a message yeah, and said, yeah. something's going on here. Um, wh- why are they being so careful with the pennies as a, as in a relative sense uh, with Houdon? And and I understand, um, you know, there there's two aspects to. Um, this this yo-yo um, for yo-yo ride that that Charles Houdon is on uh, <laughs> between uh, Laval and Montreal. One one of them is is legit. You know, it's it's understandable. It wanting to save the number of days, the um, the waiver eligible days, um, and, and save those those days. That's fine. But but it's more than that because um, there's also this this saving these dollars. On cap space, of course, there's less. Uh, Charles Houdon counts less against the cap when he's in Laval than he's in with Montreal. Than he's with Montreal, but it's not only Charles Houdon. It's also, um, it's been really curious that the Canadians haven't recalled an extra forward. Um, you know, when Cousins was injured. Now in this situation, they could have another forward. And always. In the past, we've seen the Canadians uh, want to have that extra guy. I mean, they're, they're, most likely they'll be in the press box. But what yeah. happens if somebody gets injured in warm-ups? Well, in the past, the Canadians would have somebody and, and they'd get them dressed. And, and uh, well, most likely they would, they would take the warm-up and then go to the press box. That's what usually happens. Um, but they would have that extra forward there just just in case, just in case there was, uh, there was uh, injuries. They're not doing that this year. Um, and, and that seem, they're saving dollars that way on the cap. They're saving dollars on Houdon. Um, and then it was two or three weeks. It was, it was two, it was November the 8th. And um, the uh, Laval rocket were in Cleveland 
and I, I sent you a message and I said, something's going on. The regular scout for New Jersey is not scouting Lavelle. They have brought in one of their other scouts, one of their other pro scouts to take a look. And that usually signals that they want a second opinion on somebody, on someone, on, on the Lavelle team. So there's a bit of smoke. We talked last week about EJ Raddick and, and saying that Taylor Hall would be a, a, a good fit. Um, you know, wh- why do you want to, why do you, you want to save so much? Why does Bergevin want to save so much cap space when the Canadians have close to 8 million already? Um, yeah. The thing is that um, uh, as the season goes along and when you get to the trade deadline, um, lots of, well, not lots of teams, but a, a good number of teams can afford that amount of cap because the, the caps, the cap, of course, when you, when you acquire somebody partway through the season is prorated. So there's only a couple of months left um, and it's prorated and the, and, and your cap room expands in a figurative way. Um, but if you, if you want to get in early, if you want to eliminate your competition, if you want to reduce the number of, of teams that you're bidding against, you, you make that move not at the end of February. You make that move at the beginning of January. And then you have yeah. fewer teams that can afford that cap amount that you're bidding against. So if that's your plan, if indeed that's your plan, um, then, then you want to be saving your pennies in November and December so that, that you can have that to spend. Another just curious move, and um, again, these are just circumstantial bits of information. Um, Laval Rocket signed a defenseman to a PTO this past week. It's curious. Um, this, this, this player is right now is rehabbing from an injury and isn't available right away, but they signed him anyway to a PTO. A left-handed defenseman, which if you've been following a rocket, they have an abundance of, and it's been hard for players like David Sklenichka to get into the lineup, even though he was called the most promising player or or, or the most improved player by uh, Jolie um, uh, Bouchard last year. So why do they need an extra left-handed defenseman? That's a good question. And that's another piece of information on this, this point. And we try to hmm, connect all the dots we'll see what happens um, over the next month, but there's, let's just say there's, there's smoke. There's, there's yeah. a bit of smoke here. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess one of the interesting parts and one of the parts that's going to be the most uh, interesting going forward for the Montreal Canadians and their playoff push <laughs> it might be early to talk about, but I mean, the struggles of the Toronto Maple Leafs and the fact that the Lightning haven't really played a whole lot of games to this point. They've kind of, they, they had that trip to, they were in Sweden. So they're, they're kind of catching up on the games, you know, so they have some games in hand on their opponents in the Atlantic division. And then you have the struggles of the Toronto Maple Leafs that led to the firing of Mike Babcock earlier this week. I'm not sure if you heard about that. It, it, they got a little <laughs> bit of traction, um, <laughs> but how does this affect the Montreal Canadiens? You have Sheldon Keefe, is you know he coached four full seasons in the AHL. He was in you know the middle of his fifth. He's got a Calder Cup trophy, a Calder Cup uh, AHL championship. I mean, this might change the way you saw the three-one win the other night for the Leafs. This might change the way the Atlantic looks. It's still there's a long way to go in this season, even though we're a quarter of the way through. 
So, I mean, what do you make of that firing? Does that have any effect on the Canadians, you think? Well, it's, um, you know, this is something that, that the Leafs fans were calling for somebody's head. And I yeah. think they didn't care who. Um, but it, it makes the logical sense that, uh, that the coach has to go. Um, Mike Babcock considered, uh, obviously, uh, one of the best coaches, um, in the league and, uh, was certainly paid that, that way. Um, but, um, you know, the, the Leafs have struggled and, and you can look at, at, um, why they've struggled and, and boy, that defense, that defense is, is not what, yeah. what I would put together. Um, there, they haven't had, uh, speaking of, of Kincaid, the Leafs haven't had any backup goaltending, um, is it the backup goaltending situation has been terrible. Um, as I said, Russ scheduled to start. It's, it's, it's been a bit of a mess and, um, wh- whose fault is that? And, and, you look at those four forwards uh, uh, taking up, you know, uh, $40 million, uh, 40 million. Of, of the yeah. cap that to me that, that it's, it's roster construction and, and uh, man, that's looked, that's not the way you, you, you put together a balanced team. Um, but listen, Kyle Dubas has a philosophy uh, it's an unproven philosophy, but he has a philosophy and he has systematically removed all the hockey brains, the, the hockey guys, the guys with, you know, uh, uh, deep, deep ties to hockey, Mike Babcock, Lou Lamorello, um, uh, Jacques Lemaire. Um, I'm yeah. missing one Hunter, um, Mark Hunter. Yeah. Mark Hunter. You know, you, you remove all of that, uh, collective brain power, and uh, Kyle Dubas now has is 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 going to own this this particular philosophy. Um, yeah. So so is it that 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 uh, Babcock has has lost his way or his ability to coach? No, I don't think so. And I I thought it was really interesting that um, <laughs> if you follow Brendan Kelly with the Gazette, with which many people do with disdain. They love to jump on Brendan <laughs> Kelly, and 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 let's be clear, Brendan Kelly is 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 he writes, he, he's he's a narrowly focused writer. He was the biggest PK Subban fan there ever was, and all of his articles re- relate to the mistake of of trading PK Subban, um, and so he he hated Pacioretty because he felt that that Pacioretty was at fault. He hates Carey Price because he thinks Carey Price had something to do with P.K. Subban going. Um, and, you know, a, a week ago he was saying that, that the Canadians should all be taking French lessons and all of that sort of thing. This week I thought it was kind of curious that the, the um, avowed P.K. Subban lover is kind of going to bat for the coach who didn't play P.K. Subban yeah. in the Olympics. <laughs> um, and... And he's putting it out there. Now, maybe he's just doing it to be controversial, but um, he's suggesting um, a, a, a kind of out-of-the-box idea of the Canadians' management hiring uh, Mike Babcock. And I don't think there's a hope in hell of that happening. Um, yeah. Although I, I thought, you know, last time we went this go-round, 
that there might have been a chance. And and Kelly talks about his 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 McGill his ties to yep. McGill in in more than one way, right? He's got that McGill tie that he wears for for famous games and or for uh, uh, important games and um, and wondered if if uh, that could be so so a, a unilingual coach with ties to McGill if that could be sold to the fan base at this point I don't think so and I don't think that that the guns are all trained on on Julian right now I think it's far more at Bergevin. Um, yeah. If the, if a change was going to be made, but I, it, it just interesting. Mike Babcock teams are going to line up. He's not going to be out of work uh, no. that long. But thought that it was interesting that uh, that it was tossed out there that uh, 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 an idea of bringing him to the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, can't imagine that he's going to be out of work for long. I think you're right there. But uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the Leafs. Uh, they already responded with a 3-1 win in Sheldon Keefe's coaching debut, so we'll see how uh, how they do going forward. Uh, so we're going to take a quick break here on the Canadians Connection podcast. And when we come back, we're going to discuss Max Domi because he's been a rather interesting figure for the Montreal Canadiens this season. So we're going to talk about him after a quick break. Stay with us here on the Canadians Connection podcast. Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated, and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. We are specifically interested in individuals who have education and or experience in the following areas, sports writing, translation, editing, forum administration, social media administration, multimedia, graphic design, web development and user support, event planning, and sponsorship and marketing. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are located in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com Want the latest Habs news with game previews, reviews, and highlights? How about full coverage of development camps and special events? Looking to follow the Laval Rocket more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got what you're looking for at allhabs.net, the place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around. Allhabs.net. And we're back here on the Canadians Connection podcast. And so last weekend against the New Jersey Devils, we had quite the game. <laughs> it was probably one of the weirdest, especially the third period. I think the third period was probably the weirdest period of hockey I had ever watched. And that included a lot of penalties. And some of those penalties probably should not have been called. 
And then there were some penalties that were not called at all, including the Victor Meta one that I mentioned where he just kind of rubbed out. I think it was, uh, it might've been Heischer along the boards. I, I don't remember exactly, but there were penalties like that that just got completely uncalled. And one of the penalties that did get called against the Montreal Canadiens was on Max Domi. And it was this really, uh, unfortunately, a selfish play from Max Domi in a point in time where he didn't show a lot of discipline, where he shoved the stick away from Blake Coleman after Coleman had made a good, strong defensive play on Max Domi. I can understand why some might think what Coleman did was a penalty, maybe, in that game, who knows what a penalty was and wasn't, but I didn't see it as a penalty. I, I really didn't. I thought that that was just a strong play by Blake Coleman. And Max Domi showed his frustration. And, and this got me thinking because we've had, I've, I've had conversations and, and with some of my friends talking about what Max Domi is. And for me personally, if you go back to last year, the very first episode that we did, we talked about Max Domi punching Aaron Eckblad in the face for really, I don't think there was much of a reason for it. It was just Max Domi just kind of losing his cool for a second and deciding to punch Aaron Eckblad in the face. Max Domi, I, I think it's time that we start to have the conversation about whether or not he's closer to what he was in Arizona than what he was last year. The 72-point season. Was the 72-point season an anomaly? It could be. Because when you go back and look at what Max Domi was in Arizona, he had a phenomenal rookie season. He was sixth in Calder voting, had 52 points. He had a great rookie season. But what happened after that? Okay, so he had a bit of an injury-riddled season, 59 games. He only had 38 points. That's not terrible. The year after that, though, 45 points in 82 games. You know, maybe this is what Max Domi is. And over the last 12 games, he's only got three points. So he's on pace now for about 50 points this season. That would be a regression of more than 20 points, which for the Montreal Canadiens, I don't think you can afford to have that type of a regression from Max Domi, especially if you don't have Jonathan Drouin, who was producing earlier this season. The scoring in general has kind of dried up for Montreal, and, and Max Domi has been no exception in that, and they need him to be more than what he has been to this point. And I was willing... I was completely willing to give Max Domi the benefit of the doubt and say, you know what, this might just be a scoring slump. All the, you know, great players go through it all the time. It happens. Max Domi, if he doesn't cost the Montreal Canadiens points and wins, then I'm okay with him. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. But then he goes and does what he did last week against New Jersey. And in my opinion, I mean, it led to the game-tying goal on the power play. He cost the Montreal Canadiens that game. And that is just something that Max Domi, he should know better, quite frankly, especially considering when you go back, and I know that this was a little bit of a different penalty, but it was still kind of in the same vein when Kasperi Kapanen had his stick shattered in his hand and he threw it at Jeff Petrie and had the penalty shot for Petrie. Who was the guy that was barking at Kasperi Kapanen on the bench for the Montreal Canadiens? It was Max Domi calling him a moron and all this stuff. And then he goes and does something like that. And I know that there's a little bit of a difference, but I mean, it's related to, to sticks. Uh, Max Domi generally should just know better than to do that. But given the fact that he's so quick to jump on another guy when they make a mistake, he should just, he should just know better. That, that, that's just the reality of the situation for Max Domi. And, you know, he has been a guy that I've, I've had to 
sort of uh, go back and forth on with, with whether or not he's a guy who you can win long-term and you can experience playoff success with. Because I'm not sure if he can dial it back long enough, if, if he can, you know, kind of get this undisciplined style of hockey, this, this sort of frustration that, that leads to penalties. I'm not sure if he can get that out of his game long enough for the Montreal Canadiens to experience any amount of success. And that's a concern because you know what? He's coming. He's going to be an RFA this summer. The Montreal Canadiens are going to have to think about whether or not they want to pay him a lot of money. And if he's going to keep doing things like that, then I, I'm not quite sure that he's worth it because man, like that's a game. We talked about the margin of error being just so slim for the Montreal Canadiens. We saw it last year firsthand and we're seeing the, the roller coaster this year that could lead to another one. I mean, we talked about a couple of weeks ago, that one point that you got out of that Philadelphia game that Carey Price gifted you, that he just hand-wrapped and he said, Merry Christmas, here you go. This is a point that you're going to have later on this season. Max Domi, that could be two points the Montreal Canadiens would have had if not for his undisciplined play. And, you know, to get to pick up the uh, the – uh, unsportsmanlike conduct as well as that penalty, which the penalty was bad enough. And then he goes and starts talking to the referees. It gets an unsportsmanlike. It was just not a great, uh, great moment for Max Domi. And, and this is going to lead, I think it should lead to a conversation about whether or not Max Domi is that 72 point guy that we saw last season, because it seems like he might just be a guy that likes the, the new environment likes change. And then when, when that happens, like when he gets traded, he loves the, the attention and all this stuff. And then once that kind of dries off a little bit and it's not quite the same, he might revert back to what he was in Arizona for the two seasons after his rookie year. When again, gets to the NHL, everything's fresh and new. He likes it. And then he kind of, all right, well, this is just all the same. And, you know, kind of might get bored with the situation that he's in. So I, I don't know if Max Domi is quite the guy that he was last year. That's, that's the long and the short of it. I'm not quite sure if he was the guy that he was last year. And that, that would suck for the Canadians if he's not, because he, he showed, he, he told on himself last year. He could do that if he wanted to, but he hasn't this season. Well, um, you know, I, after last season, there was a lot of, of fans that were saying that trade was was a slam dunk for uh, Bergevin. How could uh, Arizona be so stupid? And um, but but there are things that you know um, there are warts, and uh, when will those appear? And and uh, how will how will they manifest it themselves? And and. You know, it was said that that he really needed to um, come to a big market team like Montreal, uh, a Canadian big market team, to fuel his emotion, to fuel his passion. He's a very emotional player. But we we also see that coming to a big market team has its distractions, and yeah. uh, he's he's been very focused on his book tour this year. He's been very focused on his celebrity given that he had such a good season last year. And, and I, I don't see the, the, the Max Domi, um, the kind of the guy who's using his speed, who could, who's engaging, who's uh, uh, threatening on every play, uh, every shift. Um, 
it's it's just not been there. And um, you mentioned uh, the New Jersey game, and and you know it was really a dumb penalty, particularly at that juncture in the game. Yeah. Um, the the knocking the stick away, an obvious penalty. Blame the refs for whatever you want to blame them for, but but that was an earned penalty by by yeah. Domi. And then to add the unsportsmanlike to it was just really stupid. It was selfish and um it as claude julian said it cost the the canadians the game um and and you know people were were kind of standing up a bit for uh max domi and said well you know we can understand it he was sulking that whole game because he was moved to the wing um well i i don't uh, th- th- those kind of adjustments that the coach there's no such thing as sulking when you're you, when you're expe- a player who's who is expected to lead, a, particularly yeah. on offense. Um, there's no such thing as sulking. And and why are you sulking? Because your whole career, you know, in junior in Arizona, you played the wing. It was only the Canadians who tried to um, convert you to a, a, a full time center, and and it was only at the time thought to be a temporary thing. Uh, as a place filler, there was always this thought that you'd be moving back to the wing. Um, and then, you know, it's gone further this week with people talking about Max Domi and his um, ineffectiveness this season, his his lack of production this season, blaming on the fact that he's uh, played the the wing. Well, you know, last Saturday was was the first game. Max Domi has played three games at the wing this season. Uh, the rest have been at center, and he's not been very good. One goal in his last 17. Um, even more concerning, the last 15 games, and we go back to uh, the St. Louis game on the, the 19th uh, of October. Since then, and we're not, not even talking goals, since then, in 15 games, he has one even strength point, one point five on five. Uh, that's awful. That's terrible. Yeah. That's um, and you know, you, you can understand some of the reasoning, uh, behind him playing on, uh, m- being moved to the wing. He's as far as the regular centers, um, he is the worst when it comes to faceoff percentage. He's below 45%. That's no, not only uh, this season, that was last season too, uh, below 45%. Um, that's not good enough, uh, particularly a guy who's playing in your top six, that's not good enough on face-offs. Max Domi, not the best defensive forward. Uh, and that's a critical role for uh, a player playing center. Um, Nick Suzuki has, has done both better, has played defense, yep. defensive hockey better, played better in his own end at center and has been better on face-offs uh, than Max Domi. Um, so I think, I think you raise a very legitimate question. Who is Max Domi? Um, you know, uh, he's a, an emotional player, uh, but that emotional uh, emotional energy has to be channeled in the right way. And yeah. I, I don't, you know, this, this center wing, he's, he, he's, he looks more, more comfortable to me uh, at the wing. Maybe his ego gets bruised a bit when he's, when he's not the, you know, the, the, the center and there's some upstart young player who, who comes in and, and displaces him. But, but 
um, then that's a, you know, that's, that's a Max Domi issue that he has to sort out itself. If it's, if it's an ego issue, if it's a selfish kind of issue. Yeah. And I mean, we're going to talk about that because Max Domi is going to move back to center. Um, Claude Julian saying that he skates better as a centerman than he does than when, when he's been on the wing. I, I don't know if that's exactly the case. Um, it might be grasping at straws to try to get him going. I, I don't know. But when I see Nick Suzuki at center, you just mentioned it. He looks the part. He looks like he is an NHL centerman. And whether, you know, trying to use the center ice position as a way to get Max Domi going, I'm not sure that that is the best way to go about it if Nick Suzuki at this point, at this early point of his career, looks more comfortable and a better defensive player than, than Max Domi. I, I think that that might just be, uh, you might be hurting Nick Suzuki in order to try to get Max Domi going. I'm not, I'm not quite sure that I agree with that. If, if we haven't convinced you, and, and you know, quoting uh, one goal in the last um, 17 and, and, and one even strength point in the last 15, uh, that this has been a season-long problem, um, you know that I like to look at primary points, primary points yeah. being goals and first assists, and particularly five-on-five five for offensive-minded players. Um, and I've updated that list this week. And there should be no um, uh, surprise. Brendan Gallagher is is on the top of that list. As far as primary points, he has eight goals, four first assists to give him uh, 12 primary points um, at five on five. Number two is uh, Phil Deneau uh, at uh, 10 primary points. Number three, and again, this this uh, Jonathan Drouin is one, and that's primarily because of his goals, his six goals. And those came early. Um, number three on the, the Canadians, and he's always con- criticized, unfairly, in my opinion, uh, for his lack of offense, is Arturi Lekkonen. Number yeah. three on the team in primary points. Uh, three goals, five first assists for eight points. Number three on the Montreal Canadiens in terms of pri- primary points is Arturi Lekkonen. You have to go way down the list to number seven and you, you, you uh, take uh, Arturi Lekkonen's primary points and you cut them in half to get to Max Domi. He has one goal and three primary assists, five on five um, for just four points, uh, uh, four primary points this season. That's not very good for um, a team that relies on its five on five power play has been better, but it relies on its, its uh, five on five offense. They need a lot, a lot more out of Max Domi. And, I mean, you, you're, he's going to have on his wing tonight Nick Suzuki, and it, it looks like Arturi Lekkonen as well, as, uh, at least according to the lines that they had yesterday. So, I mean, that might be an effort to get him going because we've seen the effectiveness of that Domi-Lekkonen pairing. And since Lekkonen has been moved away from Max Domi, and, you know, we saw briefly – Drouin and Armia occupying the wings and uh, Tatar as well. Since Lekkonen has moved away from John, uh, from Max Domi, hasn't quite looked the same. And that might be a little bit concerning considering, you know, this is the guy that got 70 points last year 
and Arturi Lekkinen looks like to be, in spite of all the criticism that you, that you said that he does not deserve, but in spite of all the criticism that Arturi Lekkinen gets, he might be the key to unlocking Max Domi in the way that he that he played last year with the 70 points. So that that is a little bit concerning that it takes Arturi Lekkinen to try to get Max Domi going and, and do it looks like everything moving him to center. Nick Suzuki, Arturi Lekkinen as as his wingers. I mean. It it looks like they're really trying to get him going, and the New York Rangers tonight. I mean, I, I think that this might be a, a good time for him to uh, to step up and and really produce, because the Canadians do need it. They do need that production from Max Domi. So, with all that said, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about the question of the week that we posed at the top of this show at the quarter mark of the season: Are the Canadians a playoff bound team or not? We're going to get to those answers after a quick break. Stay with us here on the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked-out hockey cave or fan ink. Well, don't just show your friends. Show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHabs when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to showyourhabs.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us for further details and information regarding this unique marketing opportunity. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. And we're back here on the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. Uh, we have the question of the week that we threw out on social media earlier. Um, at the quarter mark of the season, are the Canadians a playoff-bound team or not? And uh, boy, oh boy, you ask a question like this in November and you still get a big response. That's how you know this is a, this is a big hockey market. So you have Chris G saying, I think they're a bubble team that will fight until the end but won't make it. 
I have CJ saying, I think these losses to the Sens, Blue Jackets, Devils, the Wilds of the league will cost them a playoff spot. Toronto and Tampa will move ahead. Isles have built a comfortable lead. Washington and Carolina are practically locks. I don't see Montreal making it. We'll be close, same as last year, but we'll miss. And I think that that is a, a good broad view of what is going on. And he's he's hit the nail on the head. I mean, you look at the New York Islanders. I mean, that's a team that I don't think many people thought would be able to. Even last year, I don't think people thought that they'd be able to sustain. And then you lose Robin Leonard. You still do it. You still manage to be in this spot. Uh, man, they, they are a really well-run organization. You have Rich saying, if everything goes perfectly, 7th or 8th, but ninth to 11th is also realistic. Uh, you have our friend Amy Johnson at Flyers Rule saying, for me, consistency is key. And this team has been lacking in that they have the pieces to make the playoffs, but not a sustained deep run in the postseason. And yeah, it, it's been a lot of that. It's been a lot of, I think we've hit the, hit the, the, uh, the roller coaster at the right time where you're just kind of getting that downward tra- trajectory and what people are thinking of this team. Uh, you have Matt saying if they continue to play uh, to keep games close from start to finish and play a full 60 minutes of hockey, they'll be in the playoffs. However, playout, uh, players n- will need to step up now more than ever with Drewan and Byron out with injuries to keep them in the right direction. And yeah, I mean, I think that this is, this is going to, to show a lot of what Montreal has. And, and as you mentioned, it, it's, their depth is mostly in the bottom six. So it's, it's going to be a little bit of a test for them to see if they can get over that hump. But yeah, I mean, at this moment, I think the, the Canadians fans feel a little bit down on their luck for, for their chances for the playoffs, but that's just Twitter. What's Facebook saying? It's a bit of a roller coaster on Facebook. <laughs> um, <laughs> Always just is. like the Habs, actually. Um, yeah. we, we got a, a variety of sorry, lots of response, uh, as we usually do on Facebook. If you want to join the conversation on Facebook, just search for All Habs uh, on Facebook and, and, um, and make sure you like that page so that you can get back there very easily. Um, uh, Doug Waddell says, I think they are if they stay healthy. Um, and we were talking about injuries today. Claude Matt Mate says, yes, they are, but a new coach would give a better chance. Okay. Um, I wonder if he's talking about Mike Babcock. Uh, Dennis Pelche said, um, uh, no, unfortunately they're basically on the same track as last year. Phil Moore says, yes, they're a playoff team. Real Doucette said, no, they aren't a playoff team. Rodney Barrett said, yes, I believe they are a playoff team. <laughs> um, up and down, uh, Jason Corville said, uh, a second wildcard team at best. Uh, Andre Sanchez said, Habs are missing a sniper. Picking up a guy like Taylor Hall will definitely help. I guess Andre was uh, listening to the podcast, and, and thanks for that, Andre. Um, Tyler Michaud says once they're able to finish off teams at the bottom, then they can be a first wildcard team, but not uh, until then. And we talked about uh, their soft schedule that they're not taking advantage of. Um, We have uh, Art Pollard saying very much so when healthy, we can go a long way this year. Uh, S.E. Allen said uh, should finish eighth or ninth. Um, Paul Salapatas, sorry, Paul, uh, they can be, but quit losing to bad teams. Uh, put a fire under Julian's ass. He needs to quit saying that they are fine. 
<laughs> okay, another guy not liking the coaching very much there. Yeah. Uh, we got getting, getting lots of response. There's still lots of time to uh, get your response in. It's the, the quarter uh, point of the season. U.S. Thanksgiving's coming up. Are the Canadians a playoff team or not? Go to Facebook, go to Twitter, or text us. Uh, like many do, and um, we should say we respond to all of your texts. Uh, we don't always get them uh, on the air, but we do respond yeah. to all of your texts, and you can uh, go to the, the Rocket Sports uh, text line. It's easy to remember. It's 585-3-ROCKET, 585-3-ROCKET. Yeah, and I understand that we do have some texts that we're going to uh, get to and maybe an email as well. So I'll, I'll turn it over to you. What what have we got this week from uh, from our loyal listeners? Well, um, we've got uh, we got, we got a lot here. We don't have time for for all of them. And like I say, yeah, um, it's been a while. I feel bad. Uh, we but we're going to get a couple of these on the air. One's a question, uh, one's a statement, one's an email. I've got, I have a question for you before we start. Okay. Who generates the most on. high danger scoring chances on the Montreal Canadiens? Oh, it was like a couple of weeks ago, and he quizzed me on the five. The, the five. <laughs> That's topics. right. What well, uh, did you like that? <laughs> yeah, that was good. So, if I'm going, I think around that time, that was one of the questions or something very similar there too right. about the guys that were generating the highest scoring chances. I think Brendan Gallagher was at the top of the list. Is it still him? This guy pays attention. Yeah. For all the listeners, <laughs> this guy pays attention. Um, yes, you are You are um, not just a pretty boy. You also are a yeah. brilliant when it comes to the Montreal Canadiens. And the answer to who, has, uh, who generates the most high-danger scoring chances uh, right now, currently, Brendan Gallagher. Um, yeah. Number two, Yol Armia. Uh, ah. Maybe the forgotten Yol Armia has yes. uh, had a great start. He's cooled off a bit. Number three, the aforementioned Arturi Lekkonen. So when we're talking about offense, um, again, just to kind of, we, we like to bust myth, myths on this show. Um, and uh, Arturi Lekkonen is uh, number three at generating high danger scoring chances. So, Yes, and thank you for playing along. We'll 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 quit yeah. you again in a couple of weeks on <laughs> on a different topic. Yeah, and maybe next time I won't go uh, three for five. Might put up a better showing than I did a couple weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, a question. This is Jim from Fergus, Ontario. Huge Habs fan in Leafs territory. Says Jim, have a question. I trust you guys. Well, you should, given given yeah. Joe's answer there. I keep hearing about KK being sent to Lavelle. Should he go? Now, this is something that has been out on Twitter as well. No, he he shouldn't be sent down to the AHL. Frankly, he should just be playing more in the NHL than he has been to this point. And tonight, it looks like, at least from what the Canadians were doing yesterday in practice, that he is occupying a space on the Canadians' power play where he, is sh- he should have been all along because he needs more ice time. And if you're not going to give it to him on the penalty kill, which they shouldn't at this point, give it to him on the power play. Give him some ice time that he can actually give him some run. And yesterday, or not yesterday, but the last game against the Ottawa Senators, the first period he had a couple of zone entries against them that looked beautiful. They were just fantastic. He's, he's showing that he's, 
he's getting back to being comfortable following that groin injury. He just needs more time. And, and th- th- that is a very good question because there has been that narrative on Twitter in, uh, specifically that I've seen people saying, uh, you know, they should send him down to the AHL, let him get his confidence up. I don't think that that works that way. I'm not quite sure that his confidence would go up from being sent down. I think his confidence will go up if you play him more. And the Canadians at this point, they don't have anything to lose with, with regard to their injuries, the way that they've been playing the last three games. Just give him some ice time. Let him go. So again, we're, we're in the business of busting myths. And um, it was Victor Mata is always mentioned uh, when you talk about guys who went down to uh, Lavelle and came back and, and, and did better. Um, was it what Victor Meta learned when he was down in Lavelle? If you talk to him, and we did, he said, um, well, what I'm supposed to be working on is um, uh, processing the game at a higher speed. But he said, it's really slow down here uh, yeah. for, for him. Things happen slower. Guys are slower. Decisions are made slower. Um, so that kind of blew up that narrative a bit. Listen, with respect to Victor Meta, before he went to Laval, he was playing primarily on his wrong side. He was in and out of the lineup. When he returned, he played always on his, on his natural side and uh, played every game and played with Shea Weber. Um, so that, I think, had a whole lot more to do with his better play than anything he learned in Laval. And that goes to your point that you know, leave him alone, let him play, let him play more. Uh, that is Kotkaniemi. Uh, yeah. Going to, to Laval is, Jesper um, Kotkaniemi has nothing to learn at the AHL level. Uh, he has a, a full season uh, of, of NHL uh, experience. This is, this is kind of normal. Plus he was dealing with uh, his groin injury and that's not easy. Um, you know, there's there, let him, you hear this commonly, let him go down to Laval and play big minutes. Is Josh Brook playing big minutes? No, he's not. <laughs> is Ryan Paling playing big minutes? No, he's not. Uh, Ryan Paling, when he was sent down, it was um, so he could play center and so that he could improve his face-off percentage. Um, just before the podcast, uh, uh, one of our, our uh, writers, Blaine Potvin, messaged me. Blaine did a great job last night. It was his first yeah. uh, first. Uh, time covering uh, an AHL game uh, for the AHL report, and and he did a very good job. He said, "Hey, notice Paling wasn't taking many faceoffs uh, last season at uh, uh, this game," and uh, I said, "Yeah, it's it's been mostly Kevin Lynch, and and um, Paling's been playing between the second and third line, uh, but not getting a lot of faceoffs when that was supposedly uh, the reason he was being sent down." So. My my long-winded way of saying it's a long-winded way of saying, you know, maybe it's uh, this whole nonsense about playing big minutes and and uh, uh, getting confidence back uh, is a is a proper route for uh, Jesperi Kotkaniemi. Um, but a, a great question, and and as you said, yeah. we see it on on Twitter a, a lot. So uh, Jim from Fergus, thanks very much for the question. Yeah. Um, Go ahead. No, no, no. If you've got, you, oh, okay. we do have uh, the email as well from uh, from a familiar friend. We do. Um, we have. I'm going to read one more text. I'm going to squeeze in one more text. Yeah. Um, and that is uh, Grant from Dauphin, Dauphin, Manitoba. 
um, home of the National Ukrainian Festival. Uh, um, <laughs> little bits of information you didn't particularly uh, need yeah. to know. Uh, Grant <laughs> says, uh, thanks, guys. Love the show. Thought your discussion on Cherry and Jess Allen last week was really thoughtful. I don't always agree with Cherry, but I think Bobby Orr was right. Um, if you missed it, uh, Bob Yor released a state, or it was um, he was talking to a Boston radio station. Yeah, um, something like that. And Bob Yor said, um, uh, "I know grapes better than anyone. He's not a bigot. He's not a racist. What they're doing to him up there is disgraceful." Um, yeah. So, but thank you for it was it was it was it was tough for us to kind of present the information in a balanced way and. Um, we appreciate um, your comments, um, yeah. Grant, especially especially Dauphin, Manitoba. Uh, <laughs> great, a great place in Manitoba, as people may or may not know. I lived in Winnipeg for. Uh, I think, I think of years. you mentioned it. I think you mentioned it. <laughs> um, and you mentioned an email, and yes, you can reach us by email as well. Info at allhabs.net. Um, this is our, our good friend. We don't, we haven't heard from for a while. Uh, Le Petit Bill in the Ottawa, Ottawa Gatineau region. Uh, Bill, whose name's Dino says, uh, greetings from Gatineau, Ottawa. Hope things are well. Thanks for the really great coverage for our Saint Flanel. Another year, another chance to give honor to our tradition of hockey excellence. I have to be honest though. The passing of a truly great one, John Beliveau, then Dickie Moore, those were tough for me. And, sen- and since we sent away our Purnell Carl, he, uh, if you don't know the <laughs> Petit Bill, huge Subban fan, I've been absent. Cannot explain or under- understand it too much, but I've been absent. I would follow on the radio as much as possible. It was my life, no kidding. For all my life, now I just have to say I've been absent. Is it the politics? Is it the media that's unfair? Is it language issues? I think those have played a role in my absenteeism for sure. So I rely on you guys. That's nice. Um, nice. Anyway, in my present state of absenteeism, I go back in time to relive our glorious past. Sam Pollock, Scotty Bowman, Claude Ruel, Beliveau, Ferguson, Pocket Rocket, Dryden, Lemaire, Lafleur, Shot, Cornway, Danny Gallivan and Dick Irvin, Gilles Tremblay and Rennie Pottier. Um, And of course, uh, Jacques, uh, Jacques Demare and our 1993 victory over the heavenly, heavily favorited Kings. Enough of my thoughts. I wish you well this season. Take good care of yourselves and your loved ones. Thanks for everything you do. See you in the spring when our St. Flanel will be wearing the Stanley Cup ring. <laughs> what a... <laughs> yeah, uh, always, my goodness. Always love getting these uh, from LaPete uh, Bill. Thanks again uh, from the Ottawa Gatineau area. We love to, uh, we love to get them on the air. Absolutely, love to hear from uh, from the loyal listeners, including uh, Dino. So great to great to hear from him once again. Um, so before we just sign off, very quickly, I want no, to. No, we don't have time. We no, don't have. There's we don't no have time. time. There's no there's time. no time for any kind of fantasy hockey discussion <laughs> where we're paired up against each other this week. We are indeed, and it isn't looking good for you. Though you do have more time, you do have more games play or more games remaining than me. So it could still end up in your favor, but I am winning right now <laughs> nine to two. So there was a lot now, of. Now we I had noticed... a discussion on from the fr- press box about, uh, <laughs> and there were some opinions yeah. tossed out there. Is that I mean, what yeah. you're referring to? Is that what you want the, to respond to? 
there there were a lot of opinions, and I would understand that because, listen, as I've mentioned uh, numerous times, I am the defending champion, so I understand there are going to be people that are coming for the chance. That. That, that just makes sense. So I understand why there has been so much conversation about me on From the Press Box because <laughs> I am the defending champion. People come for the champion. That makes that makes all the sense in the world. You want to you take the go. man down. But <laughs> but this season, in spite of the fact, as you mentioned, you pointed out on the podcast and from the press box, I am dealing with injuries. I have I have three major injuries right now. Well, two issues two and then yeah. two two main ones. But I mean, I and I also have a lot of issues, as you pointed out, <laughs> in more ways than one. And you know, in, in spite of all of that, in spite of Amy, Amy Johnson and her flawless impression of me on from the press box, I am still winning nine to two in our one-on-one matchup. So we'll see if that, if that carries out through Sunday, if it carries out through Sunday, the next week we might be talking about a little bit more. (laughs) So, uh, well, that's something to to look forward to. Yep. And, and more to look forward to today as Amy Johnson tweeted out about an hour ago at 3 PM, you have 3 PM Eastern. You have Chris uh, covering the Laval rocket in their game against the Utica Comets. Of course, tonight you have, the uh, Canadians playing against New Jersey Devils. And then Amy Johnson herself is going to be uh, covering the Lehigh Valley Phantoms against the Belleville Senators. So there is just a lot of content that's going to be coming out tonight. So follow along with the coverage on Twitter. There's going to be game previews, game recaps, all of that stuff. So follow along with with, uh, my friend over here at All Habs for uh, the Canadians coverage. Follow Chris G. Follow the AHL report. Follow all of it because there's going to be a lot of action here this afternoon into this evening. So uh, we'll say goodbye for now, but uh, we'll be back next week uh, discussing all things Montreal Canadiens. Until then, you can search for Rocket Sports Radio and find all of the lovely podcasts on Rocket Sports Radio. This one from the press box, Habs Unfiltered, have a listen. You search for Rocket Sports Radio, hit that subscribe button, you get all four of them. So we'll be back next week discussing all things Montreal Canadiens at 1 p.m. Eastern. That's 2.30 Newfoundland time. We'll talk to you then. Thanks for tuning in to the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. For the latest news on the Montreal Canadiens, follow us on Twitter at Connection and visit allhabs.net.